on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle, and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective, and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Today on the Indo-Daily, Conor McGregor's courtroom and political battles. But if you help down and bring someone up and rise someone up, and then when they're there, the, the hand comes out again. And then, okay, for me, no problem, I'll do it again, I'll do it Then after a while, it's like, I have to keep doing this. Because people become a dead weight, and then they begin to drag you down. From sparring partners to courtroom adversaries, Conor McGregor and former friend and teammate Artem Lobov have come to legal blows over the UFC fighters' lucrative whiskey brand. But who is Artem Lobov and why is he suing Ireland's most controversial sports star for millions of euros? I suppose, you know, I maybe should give you a little uh, taste of what's coming, you know, uh, the big, I suppose, selling point, if you want to call it that, of my book will be the uh, proper 12 for a whiskey story. You know, a few people know it, but this was actually my idea. Um, I was the person that um, uh, came up with the idea to do whiskey for Connor. I'm Fionn Sheehan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Conor McKeown, sports journalist with the Irish Independent, and by Hugh O'Connell, deputy political editor at the Irish Independent, to discuss the multiple legal cases between McGregor and his former teammate, as well as whether or not there is any credence behind the star's ambitions to run for office. Change is coming for the benefit of Ireland, for the progression of Ireland. We have had enough, and it is time our nation stands up. So stay ready. Conor McKeown, your namesake is back in a hostile environment. It's not an octagon on this occasion. It's a courtroom. What's happening there? It's a court case that's been taken out by Artem Lobo, a, a former sparring partner and, and a former very close friend of Conor McGregor's. This is the second time in a year that the two have ended up in court. I think it was roughly this time last year when the relationship sort of disintegrated beyond repair. Um, and I think Lobo did an interview with Talk Sport um, where he spoke almost unprompted about his involvement in the whiskey brand. Now, it was around the same time that his autobiography um, was being published um, and there were claims from Conor McGregor's solicitors last year during the defamation case that he was effectively trying to drum up interest in his autobiography by attaching himself to the story. Um, 
so obviously Conor McGregor felt um, a bit betrayed by this and uh, he took to Twitter and I think it was a, 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 like an audio, a voice note that he left calling uh, Lobo for rat. Artem is a rat, na 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 na, hey, na 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 na, hey. So that's the nub of the defamation case. Now that was subsequently thrown out um, because I think Mr. Justice Garrett Simmons said he wasn't satisfied that using social media to call Lobo for rat amounted to clear defamation. Um, so uh, subsequently he lost that um, case. Lobo from Conor McGregor won it, but um, no, it's, uh, it, was, it was quite petty. And the current action surrounds Conor McGregor's very profitable and very successful whiskey brand, which Lobov claims he is owed 5% of the proceeds of the sale from. McGregor developed the brand along with his business partner, and the brand was sold in 2021 for a very large sum of money. And it is Lobov's contention that it was his idea in the first place for Conor McGregor to develop a whiskey brand. And not only that, he did a lot of the early running and indeed had preliminary arrangements with a couple of distilleries about it. And this is... Proper 12. Yeah. Which you see quite prominently, particularly when you're going through the duty free in Dublin Airport, still very much associated with McGregor. But he's effectively sold on that brand now. So the biggest share of the Irish whiskey market in America is Jemison. And they, they own something like 70% of the market. They're owned by Pernod Ricard. And there was a recent investment in Pernod Ricard from a hedge fund manager for 1.1 billion. Now, their sales over the course of 10 years, I think from 2013 to 2023, went from something like $73 million to $1.1 billion. So that's the market share into which Conor McGregor very aggressively inserted himself. And at a time when his stock and his fame and his infamy has never been higher, particularly among that, you know, uh, younger male age group that whiskey is now marketing itself towards, um, they made uh, serious cash very, very quickly. And how much was his stake in in Proper 12 sold for in 2021? So in 2021, they sold to Proximo. Now, Proximo are the company that they went into business with in the first place. Proximo own Bushmills and they also own a couple of tequila brands that are very, very popular. Um, but the sale was for an estimated $600 million of which Conor McGregor, it was found in discovery last week in this court case, received $130 million. So Loboff's contention is that there was an agreement, and now a verbal agreement and a handshake agreement, albeit he says that there were witnesses there, that Conor McGregor promised him 5%, whether that's 5% of the total sale or 5% of his end. This is being disputed um, and Conor McGregor says that there was no such agreement. And it has also come out that Conor McGregor, through an accountant, offered Lobov a million dollars last year. Lobov rejected the offer of a million dollars. I suppose the contention here, Fiona, is is what the million dollars was for. So Conor McGregor says it's for work that Lobov did on a previous whiskey project, which never came to fruition. Um, and Lobov's contention is, well, the whiskey project, which became Proper 12, was essentially, you know, he planted the seed. It's a bit like a, a lot of businesses go down this way. We saw the the, the famous uh, bust up about the origins of Facebook. Uh, so, so neatly uh, described in the social network, that movie, this can often happen. So a product is developed, it then flips into something else and then business partners kind of fall out over whose idea it was and who exactly owned it at, at what, what different point. So Lobov's claims, they are, they've been described as hotly contested really, haven't they? I suppose in trying to articulate the degree to which um, it was his idea in the first place. He claims that Conor McGregor's initial 
idea was to have a vodka brand. Um, and Lobo, through, I think, what he'd call his own connections in the distillers world, reckoned that Irish whiskey was the, the big market. But it becomes quite legally complicated because when McGregor's business manager and the new distillers took over, Loboff was still doing some of the promo. So he actually handed a bottle of the proper 12 whiskey to Vladimir Putin at the 2018 World Cup in Moscow. So he was still on board at this stage. Um, and he also claimed in a court case that he confronted Conor McGregor in SBG, the, the straight blast gym, where they were both kind of stable mates. Um, because he'd been basically cut out of correspondence. And after that, um, he says that he was brought back into the fold. Now, the degree to which he was inside the fold is, again, contested. But that just preempts the moment at which he got a correspondence from one of McGregor's accountants offering him a million dollars. So you mentioned SBG, Straight Blast Gym. That's the origins of their relationship. So, so tell us a bit more about Lobov and his background, his career. So he's Russian-born, but he did most of his training and fighting in this part of the world. And effectively, he was Conor McGregor's stablemate. So I suppose the context behind all of this was that a lot of what Lobov achieved and I would imagine a lot of what he made out of being a professional fighter, he probably not so much owes, but some of it was definitely reliant on his relationship with Conor McGregor. So the two were very close like that. I know Conor is not faced by anything. There could be a hurricane outside of the arena that night and, and, and that's not going to bother him. Even through the biggest bouts of Conor McGregor's career, you know, the, with Nate Diaz um, and Jose Aldo, Lobov was very much in his corner. So, so they were they were that close. Yeah. So Lobov has has actually he's lived in Ireland as well, as you say. He studied in, in DCU, in DCU yeah. um, with with SBG, the gym. He he, he lived there as well. So there's, there's a lot of connection there. There was some previous tensions. Um, where Lobov came under fire for his relationship with McGregor. What, what was that about? Yeah, well, I suppose he was, you know, I don't want to say guilty by association, but, you know, in terms of the people that McGregor fell out with in UFC. So uh, if people remember Conor McGregor's bouts with Habib Nurmagomedov. So in, in 2018, Habib's team cornered Lobov in a hotel hallway during the UFC fight week over comments that Lobov had made in the media. So there's a guy named Artem who is Connor's best friend. He's from Russia. Mm -hmm. Habib is from Russia, too. Okay. There was some kind of Russian stuff going on between those two <laughs> in New York, uh -huh. and Habib slapped him, surrounded him with his friends, and slapped him. He picked up the phone and called Connor. That's said, embarrassing. Habib isn't slapped it? me. <laughs> People remember around this time that McGregor and some of his, about a dozen others, boarded a plane. Um, and stormed the loading dock in Barclay Centre in Brooklyn in, in search of Habib. Take a look at the video here. Now, there's Connor just fresh off his flight. He sees the bus. Is it pulling in or pulling away? It's pulling away. And he, he really smashes the window in and hurts somebody. People were hurt. People were shaken up. So two weren't just in each other's corners. They were metaphorically fighting one another's corners, I think, as well. Like, I suppose the devil is always in the detail here. And in the defamation case last year, there was a claim made that in a private Instagram message, Lobov told Conor McGregor that he didn't want a cent of the whiskey sale. So um, I suppose these are all the, the various... Um, the various statements that are being made and the various things that are being backtracked. I think the estimated 
share of Conor McGregor's one thirty million, something like six and a half million dollars. So, you know, it, it, it's natural enough that I would imagine Lobo feels a little bit cut out of the whole thing. <laughs> it's had a grief, strangely enough. Yeah. <laughs> the, the six million dollar man, so to speak. Uh, what's the next step in the lawsuit? Where's it going? So um, the discovery phase was last Tuesday um, and uh, Conor McGregor's counsel, um, they contend that some of what, the dis- some of the discovery that's made on uh, Loboff's side is very detailed and commercially sensitive. Um, so essentially what uh, Loboff's um, team are looking for is the precise amount of money that Conor McGregor made. So it's very much at a kind of a very messy stage in the argument. You know, when you go back to the start of any product and it becomes something else. It's it's a it's a very, very tricky business, particularly when the the deal is made uh, even by Lobop's emission um on a very uh, informal basis and in not in writing. Yeah, and it, it the whiskey is almost a bit of a metaphor in that Lobov goes back to the start of the creation of of brand McGregor uh, in its own right and and Mr. McGregor is, is where he is now, talking about a comeback. He's promoting and, and has developed his own uh Stout brand apparently taken on on Guinness and talking about running for the 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 presidency. So this one has a bit to run. I suppose what's remarkable about Conor McGregor is that his star continued to ascend at a at a meteoric rate since he last competed. And and, and given that he lost and some of that air of invincibility around him, there were people talking about Conor McGregor as being Ireland's greatest ever sports person, you know, and they were doing so with a straight face, you know. Um, but despite the fact that the bubble might have burst on quite how good he was at this sport, his fame has, you know, like he is literally ubiquitous. He moved very quickly from being an athlete to being an entertainer and he moved very quickly and successfully from being an entertainer to being a businessman. And the move from being a successful businessman to a successful politician might be fraught with uh, complications and nuances, but um, there aren't too many people made themselves a fortune backing against Conor McGregor so far. Hugh O'Connell, uh, Conor McGregor for president. Seriously? Not impossible, Fionan. I think that he's obviously expressed an interest in this um, as far back as last year, this time last year, in fact. He was asking people on Twitter, as it was known then, what is the role, um, that he's curious about it, and that he you know, definitely wanted to know more about it. And since then, he has... Uh, said more and particularly in light of of the riots he has indicated that he wants to get involved in some way shape or form in in changing the way ireland is run and he's expressed praise for other political leaders worldwide donald trump he described as a phenomenal president vladimir putin one of the greatest leaders of our time I never want to take picture with someone. Doesn't matter. It's president. Are you, are you disrespecting someone. your no. president Vladimir Putin? No. Why not? Are you disrespecting no. your president Vladimir no. Putin? No. Then what do you mean by that? No. I don't want to take picture with. What do you mean by that then? What? Explain what, what, what do you mean? Are you what? disrespecting okay, your I'm president? Okay, I'm gonna sit. Sit. <laughs> I'm Important. I suppose to note that he said this in July 2018 before Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, but nonetheless, he he does seem to be toying with the idea. And that is interesting in the context of the fallout from the riots and the the increasing discussion within Irish politics and Irish society about immigration um, and about the impact of immigration on Ireland and what it's doing here uh, and what it means, I suppose, for for people already in Ireland. Is the immigration 
aspect, is that the clearest indication of him having a, a, a class of a, a policy platform? I think it's the issue that he's latched on to. Clearly, he was very incensed by what happened on the streets of Dublin, but he saw it in the context of Ireland's immigration policy as it currently stands. So into that space, Conor McGregor has emerged. There's no clear evidence of, of him mounting a campaign for president as yet. It is still early. The, the presidential election isn't until 2025, the second half of 2025 for that matter. But there's no doubt he's dipping his toe in the water and he's gauging public opinion just as, as recently as Sunday evening. Uh, he was asking uh, people who what he felt was the most pressing political issue in Ireland right now, uh, national security, housing, the health service or climate. True Ireland are absolutely fed up with it. You know, understand there's only about 5% of Ireland on X at, the, at present. So understand that. The nation of Ireland, the real nation of Ireland is fed up with you people inside that doll. And change is coming. But the findings so far in that polls show that two-thirds of people are concerned about national security, followed by about 22% housing, and then the health service and climate lagging well behind. Now, that is X, that's, that's Twitter, as it was uh, formerly known. Uh, so it's not necessarily a barometer of, of what people really think is the most pressing issue in Ireland today. I would argue, and I think most polls would show that it is, is issues like housing, but nonetheless, there is a... There is, uh, there does seem to be concern about national security among those who would support Conor McGregor. Okay, let, let's ignore for a moment that any of those policies have absolutely nothing to do with the presidency and the president would have no role whatsoever in formulating such policies. And let's play along with Conor McGregor runs for president. He's already got some international well-known figures in certain quarters endorsing his candidacy. Yeah, um, Andrew Tate, um, that well-known uh, agitator of the uh, of, of the far right, I would argue, and certainly, uh, you know, I'm a misogynist to boot. He and his brother said that their their grandfather grandfather was born in Limerick. They would fly in to cast their votes for Conor McGregor. I mean, that's contingent, I suppose, on them having Irish passports or getting them if they didn't have them. Uh, they question whether the system would allow Conor to run, and if so, whether it would let him win. So, very much banging the drum of a of a trope of many kind of populist. Uh, on the people on the kind of populist far right side that the system will somehow conspire against them. Another backer, Elon Musk, the owner of X, the controversial owner of X, who thinks, uh, who, who told uh, Conor McGregor on the platform, I think you could take them all single handed, not even fair. And Russell Brands, a man who uh, again is, is has courted many controversies in recent years, not least the allegations against him of sexual impropriety. He has said that there's a reasonable chance that McGregor wins the election and said he hit the nail on the head in his uh, ex-post outlining his plan for the presidency. Do you think new politicians are likely to start standing in all sorts of new positions and roles across the world because people are sick and tired of systemic institutional figures that don't represent ordinary people but represent the interests of the powerful? Globalist establishment elites. Vote for this person or this person, you're going to get the same result. Conor McGregor in a 200-word post has hit the nail on the head. So we've got two routes towards getting a, a nomination for the the presidency. You can go through the national parliament and get 20 members of the dollar Shannon to nominate you, or you can get four councils around the country to nominate you. In the, the Aractus side, there have already been politicians saying there's not a hope they would nominate him. 
Yeah, there was a report in the Irish Sun last week that uh, showed many of the independent politicians in the Oireachtas, both in the Shannon and the Dáil, wouldn't be prepared to to throw their support behind Conor McGregor and sign his nomination papers. I mean, that's now. Things could change, and not least the makeup of the Oireachtas uh, come 2025. We'll, we'll have a, a general election and a Shannon election before then. If he failed in that route, he could go down the route of, of obtaining the nomination of four local authorities. Um, we saw this process before in 2018 where prospective candidates go before the local authorities, uh, meetings of councillors basically, and make their pitch to these councillors who then vote on whether or not to uh, give that council's nomination to to a candidate. I suppose the most interesting or, or perhaps relevant comparator here is Peter Casey, the businessman who ran as an independent candidate in 2018. He secured the nomination of four local authorities uh, in September of 2018, and about a month later, he expressed views on uh, the Irish Independence uh, Floating Voter podcast and expressed views that were critical of the travelling community. I don't believe that travellers should be given special uh, status. You know, it's why should they be given status over and above yourself or myself? You know, but they are seen as a, as a minority ethnicity. <laughs> That's a load of nonsense. You know, they're not Romani, uh, Romani or whatever. You know, they're not. They're not from Romani or they're not. You know, they're basically people that are camping on somebody else's land. And they were hugely controversial views, but they were also views which uh, attracted a huge uh, wave of public support towards Peter Casey. Um, with the result that he came second in that in that election, although far behind President Michael D. Higgins, who was who was re-elected with nearly two thirds of the vote. But I suppose that shows that there are there is potential for candidates who speak against the mainstream uh, to get a, a sizable portion of the vote. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that in a certain environment he could achieve a nomination. He could achieve a nomination purely because there's a feeling in the country, well, let him contest. Let, let's give him the opportunity to contest at the very least. The public probably won't vote for him in great numbers, but let's let's put him on the field at least. Uh, that that kind of opinion could take hold in some instances and could could be, you know easily lead to the possibility where he could be a candidate in, in the presidential election in 2025. So, Hugh, let's project forward to 2025. Conor McGregor has decided to run for president. He's secured a nomination. What are his prospects? Well, the only polling that's been done on this was in the Sunday Independence earlier this month, uh, the Ireland Thinks poll, the monthly tracker poll, uh, which asked uh, the public if they would be prepared to vote for Conor McGregor if he contested an election, any election, a Dáil election, a European election, a local election, a presidential election. And 89% of those polls said that they would not, whereas 8% said that they would uh, be prepared to support him. Um, that would seem to be an overwhelming majority of people against the idea of Conor McGregor uh, becoming president. But 8% is not an insignificant uh, percentage of people. Um, and that, for example, could put you in play potentially with a bit of luck on the day and a few more votes and a campaign in contention for a dull seat, for example, uh, in a constituency probably in Dublin. Um, it certainly puts you in contention for a local authority seat should he decide to go down that route. Um, it, it doesn't really put you in contention for the presidency, but we are nearly two years away from that presidential election. And a lot can change in terms of the political and societal landscape between now and then. It's pretty remote at this point in time to see how Conor McGregor could become president. Uh, it's difficult to see how he would survive a campaign where 
uh, they are brutal blood sports campaigns. They bring up a lot of uh, candidates' histories. They're passed in uh, indiscretions, and, and Conor McGregor has has quite a number of them. Um, but you know, though all of that could could ultimately play against him. But it is, I think, at this point in time, uh, quite possible that he could be a candidate. But at this point in time, quite remote that he would win. And my thanks to Hugh O'Connell and earlier to Conor McKeown. I'm Fionn Sheehan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Ian Doyle, researched by Dave Hanratty and Darren Nolan, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE News, TalkSport, the UFC, the MMA Hour and the Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irokti, a yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Tolam again omgrev, or Korn Rachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.